Welcome everybody to the Crown Legacy Podcast and I have with me today a very, very special guest. She is the inaugural woman on the show, which is amazing. And she is Tori Shira and is a fellow podcaster with um, her just recently launched podcast called Girl Boss, which I'm super excited to have her talk about. And she works primarily in network marketing. But again, Tori, welcome to the show. And yeah, just go ahead and dive in a, a little bit about who you are, what you do. You can talk about your family life if you want. But uh, what's uh, what's a girl boss all about? Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here and um, to be the first woman. I really appreciate that. And so <laughs> I take that very um as the biggest compliment for sure. Um, so yes, I am a fellow podcaster. I do have my own podcast called Girl Boss Rehab. And my experience is in network marketing. I've been in network marketing for 14 years. And, um, but before all of that, I've been married for 14 years as well. I've got two daughters, a nine-year-old and a soon-to-be eight-year-old. So we are in that fun pre-teen-ish. I mean, the amount of sass on those girls is strong. Um, so pray for us as um, we raise these two strong-willed daughters yeah. of ours. Uh, but I started podcasting because First of all, I was a podcast junkie mm -hmm. myself. I love podcasts. And then God just put it on my heart to, to look into starting one. And, and he used one last year for me um, with a co-host. And then before I knew it, he had me crazy enough starting a second one less yeah. than a year later. So um, it's, it's been a fun uh, and wild ride learning the podcast industry. That's for sure. I love it. Yeah. And going, going back to your, your daughters, yeah, I have three as well. Yeah, they're 12, almost 10 and six. And we're right there with you with the <gasps> levels of SAS. I'm severely outnumbered and <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. it only has like amplified my, my levels of recognition that I, I need to I need to be aware of my own feelings because their feelings right now are very, very, very touchy. Yeah, uh, you don't realize how sensitive a girl is until you have daughters and yeah. you're like, wow, that um, matters. Okay. That's a little crazy. And, uh, you know, not to get off topic or anything, but I think every father, like when they find out that their wives or their partners are pregnant, like immediately they want boys. I was that guy. I wanted all boys. I just wanted to have, you know, like my men, I wanted to raise men, but I I'm so glad that I had my girls because they just have this way of softening every tough guy's heart like mm -hmm. if, if you think you're a tough guy just have a daughter and you know ask that question again <laughs> i i almost think and this is from a mom's point of view but mm -hmm. i almost think that raising daughters is harder because you're not raising children 
you know, to be like you, it's Mm. you have to be the example that you want them to look for and find um, in a spouse. I mean, and um, absent fathers are one of the leading reasons for Mm. so many um, horrible things that Mm. are going on in this world. But like the father's job is so underrated, in my opinion, you guys as fathers do not get enough credit um, who, who are in it. Y'all, you guys get overlooked so often. So Amen. Being a dad's yeah. important. I'm so glad that you said that because I thought I was the only one that was at least questioning the stigma that, that boys are easier. Cause my one son by far on his own is so much work com- compared to the three girls, at least at this stage. Yeah. But I can see how, now that they're in this preteen stage, it, it's getting a little more complex for me. Yeah. Yeah. When they were little, I could, man, I never did this, but I can almost like leave them alone for like an hour and just leave. And they would just stay there. You know, they would color, they would watch their shows, they'd play Barbies. If I take my eyes off my son for 10 seconds, there's potential, you know, catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I love that you're coming from a mom's perspective because you actually had a podcast called um, Unlikely Housewives. Yeah, that was the first podcast that God really put on our hearts. Uh, my co-host Tracy Stein and I, mm-hmm. and that came out of the pandemic with the thought that, or the feeling, I would say the feelings mm-hmm. that momming is just not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it hasn't been, and we're not society as a whole is not talking about it because it's, they've put labels on either you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom, but what if you're both and where, you know, there's so many buckets you've got to fill on the daily. And so that podcast really is to give moms the, hope, light, and humor that they need to know that they're not alone, that they are doing the best that they can with what they've been given. And they were handpicked by God to be those kids, mom. So sometimes we all need that, that reminder. Yeah. I love that. Cause my wife is in a very male dominated industry, um, being in construction, she's on the pre-con side. So she is the one of the best moms that I know. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better wife to be a better mom to my kids, but she's not in mom mode when she goes to work. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. she has to put, you know, her, her big boy pants on to go to go hang with all the guys, you know, and she actually uh, outperforms a lot of them. And I'm not sure if she rubs any men the wrong way because she is a woman in that particular industry, but, but I could see how, how that would happen that me being in, in mining for, for a decade um, that there are some stereotypes with, with women in those heavy blue collared industries, but she loves being a mom. And when she comes home, she is really relying on me to, to meet her there. Like I've, I've sensed it. I've I've seen it. I've heard her. And I think a lot of men really struggle with this aspect of being a husband and a father that your wife really needs. If she is working, Mm -hmm. you need to step it up. You need to step it up in a way to where you match her parental energy 
And a lot of times you have to be able to, to be a little bit more. You have to be able to clear it because when she comes home, she's expecting me. And this is, this is my, my godly purpose. Like this is, this isn't just what I think I should do. This is what God has called me and all fathers and husbands to do. When she comes home, I have to set the tone for the entire household to make sure it's okay for her to go into her feminine, to go into her, her motherly, um, her motherly spirit or her motherly identity. If she comes home and, and I'm unconsciously or you know, even subconsciously forcing her to be the man of the house, that is a recipe for disaster. And, Absolutely. and on the flip side, um, I'm not sure when society made it not okay for women to be stay-at-home moms. And it's, go ahead. Yeah, incredible. I think you want to talk there, about it. <laughs> it. There is definitely um, shame on it, like, or a feeling of guilt almost mm-hmm. when um, our greatest ministry is our family, period. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we like, I know moms and I'm totally guilty of it, or I used to be, I'm more intentional about it now. But when somebody says, um, you know, Oh, what do you do? And I say, Oh, I'm just a stay at home mom. No, there's Mm -hmm. not a, just a stay at home mom. It's I'm a stay at home mom. And then, you know, and I, but that's my first title. I, and I embrace that. Um, I didn't used to, Mm -hmm. I used to try to list off all my accolades or whatever project or whatever. Well, I'm working for the school da, 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 and then I'm, Oh, I, you know, stay home with the kids, but it's, it is something that we, we struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. so it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and me coming from a, a blue collar industry, a lot of, uh, the guys that I work with their, their wives or their girlfriends or whoever, um, were stay at home moms, and and these men were were frustrated because they i wouldn't say they were choosing to be stay at home moms but money was a big topic like they wanted their wives or their partners to get out of the house just to bring in a few more dollars mm-hmm. and i always prompted them just to be careful with that yeah i never told anyone what to do but i'm like brother be careful with that because removing the mother from the home for, I don't know, a few hundred extra bucks a month. Is that really worth it in the long run? Is that really, is that really worth having to send your kids to be, um, to be watched by somebody else? You know, they're going to be strangers at first. I mean, not to sugarcoat it. They're going to be raised, but by a stranger while your while your wife is out of the house and is your wife going to be happy with that? If she's not happy with that, then your guys' marriage or relationship is going to take a hit. And then how are, are you going to respond to that? Is that extra 500 to $1,000, whatever it is, is that really worth it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because those kinds of things, one, aren't free. So mm-hmm. have, have you know, something to consider, which people, most people don't consider, is do the math yeah. uh, how much you pay for the child care, the after school care, or, um, and then how much get like all the, the expenses that come with that and in, her income and the driving and the commuting and the time and her having lunch out every single day versus having it home with the kids. Like those little things add up. And before you know it, a lot of women's salaries pay essentially for daycare. 
And we, you don't even think about that Mm -hmm. when you write that check. It's like the, the same scenario as if you'd be at home, except you would get to be at home. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I, when I say this and I'm talking to myself when I was with um, my, uh, my oldest daughter's uh, mother, she was a stay at home mom. And I would come home and immediately judge, you know, how come this didn't get done? How come that didn't get done? And I think so many men out there, it's, they're very easily triggered to go there without realizing how they're making their, their wives or their partners feel in that moment. And this is something that I coach on quite a bit because we make people feel a certain way, no matter what, and whether we acknowledge that or not, when people think about you, when people are around you, you make them feel a certain way, but this is especially true with our spouses. And it's sometimes it's a very, very hard question for men to honestly answer. Like, how do I make my wife feel? And why do you think you keep making her feel like that? Like, what's the root of the problem? What's the issue? And I know culture, I know society has a lot to do with that, especially with, you know, the rise of feminism, which I'm 100% okay with that. I think it's awesome that women are getting out into the, the workforce and, I think I just to pause you right there. As sure, far go as, for it. Go for it. Well, culture's feminism is very different than biblical feminism. Amen. Yep. And we, the culture has taken it completely out of having women do things that they were not created to, to do. Men uh-huh. and women are different. We were created for different purposes to complement one each other, but it does yeah. not. And being different does not make one less than the other by Mm -hmm. any means. It's just that we complement each other on equal playing field. And, um, and I think that women have drank the Kool-Aid on Mm -hmm. the feminism and, um, and it, and it, and it sucks to see women just go. And then like, well, don't you want to see a woman president? Well, I want to see the best person for the job, be a president like that. I'm not going to vote for a woman just because she's a woman, because I want to see a woman in the office. Mm. I want to vote for the best. And that's where I think the Kool-Aid comes in and and we have to be very careful on that. I, yeah, it just, it breaks my heart seeing other, other women just dive into that whole side. And I'm like, that is so not what God intended. Right. yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I think it goes the other way too with, uh, with masculinity, like what is biblical masculinity? And then what does the, the world say masculinity is? And I, I think toxic masculinity is something that gets thrown around way too much. And we, we tend to build like this automation to where as soon as we hear or see the word masculine, we automatically think of toxic masculinity. Yeah. But what is, what is biblical masculinity? A lot of Christian men like have no idea. And a lot of them are men that I work with. They don't know what it's like to be a good godly man or a good godly husband or father or even in the workforce, you know? And these are men that are, that are a part of the kingdom. And with, uh, with many more women now out in the workforce, it just adds to this confusion. It just adds to this complexity. Like, my gosh, like, 
providing just isn't enough anymore because now women can really have everything a man has. So what does that mean for us? It means that we have to be more. We have to be more than the guy that just goes to work and, you know, busts his butt for eight to 12 hours and comes home with money. Like you guys can do that on your own now. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've, you've been doing network marketing for, you know, a decade and a half. Like you don't need a man to financially provide, you know, but a lot of yeah. men are still stuck in that mode, the mode from like my father and his father's where most women were still stay-at-home moms. And it was only the man, it was only a single income. Like we've been conditioned to think like that. And we show up like that very often, but just like my wife, you know, who works in a very male dominated industry. She's very good at what she does. She doesn't need me at all financially. Like I could disappear right now. She'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be fine with her own income, with her own you know, ambitions, with her own everything. But she still needs me to be a biblical masculine man and yeah. so many men struggle with what that means and what that looks like and what that is and i'm still on this journey discovering what exactly that means to to every man individually yeah i i absolutely see that as far as the i mean y'all get beat up every single day in media and culture about toxic masculinity and mm -hmm. And it's almost where, you know, the woman doesn't want you guys to open the door anymore because I can do it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, you know, like, no, 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 I can do it myself. Well, just because I can do it myself doesn't mean I can't have a chivalrous man open up the door for me. I yeah. still say thank you. I still, because making it's almost, we forget that to, to make, I mean, one, we forget that one, we were created on equal playing fields, that there never was a separation of men being greater than a woman. There's we're equal playing fields mm -hmm. and women are thinking that they've got to make ourselves a higher in that and to raise in feminism and things like that, that we have to make y'all less than. And I think that is another reason why, because, you know, well, if I'm going to be a feminist, then you're a toxic, toxic masculinity, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to take away from somebody else to make yourself feel better. Like, and if you're good at something that doesn't mean somebody is, it doesn't take away from anybody else either. Like, mm -hmm. it's just everything we, we can't have culture has told us now that we can't have two thoughts at the same time, yeah. you know? And, and it's just, it's so convoluted, but I mean, being a parent, being a wife, being a husband, being a mom is, I mean, is these days is just, I feel like insane. So I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that the world beats up men because that's so true. And the, the number one thing that I see in all men and whether they're my friend or a client or, or whoever is that we all beat ourselves up so much. And it doesn't Y'all are matter. your own worst critic too. Culture I, it, doesn't have to do it. It doesn't matter where we're from, how old we are. Um, all walks of life, every single man beats themselves up so much. And I'm like, the world already does that. The culture already does that. Why do you keep doing that to yourself? It's like we, we, we learn this and we almost champion ourselves in it. Like, I think it's so interesting yeah. how when men say like, oh, I'm my own worst critic, you know, thinking that's a good thing. I'm like, that's awful. 
<laughs> yeah. Like you should be your biggest fan. Somebody right. should be your biggest fan. It should be you. Yeah. I'm like, that's awful. And even when men are given compliments, we've also been conditioned to, to like deflect them. And I've had to teach myself to, to recognize these things in, in people that I talk with, you know, especially with men, you want to compliment them on something, even like body language, their facial expressions, their head drops. Like there's, there's a sense of clamming up because they deep down don't feel worthy of that compliment. That's funny. You say that. Cause my mm. husband is a very, uh, we're a very sarcastic family. And then, mm. and my love language is words of affirmation. His is um, acts of service. So let me tell you how difficult that marriage is. <laughs> um, I'm still working off a compliment from 2010. Um, yeah. And so, but I will compliment him on something and just say, Hey, I'm so proud of you for doing this. And he nine times out of 10 comes back with a sarcastic answer. Mm-hmm. And I have to go stop. No, I'm telling you this. I need you to hear me on this and not just write it off. I am proud of you for doing this. And thank you for all the hard work that you put in. And it's just knowing because it makes him uncomfortable. It absolutely does. And you're like you said, the body language, you can absolutely tell when they just kind of come inside themselves that it's like this, Ooh, that doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And you're like, just sit in that for a second, accept Mm. it. And then, yeah, but that's funny that you said that. Yeah. And that's funny that you said that because that's one of the main things that I have my, uh, my clients do the ones who are men every day, you're going to write down three things that you're proud of yourself for for the last 24 hours. That's awesome. It's so hard for men to do. And even for myself, you know, I journal all this, but uh, a lot of the men that I ask this, they don't know, like there's a weird pause for a good 30 seconds and they cannot think of anything. And I'm like, they're there, man. They're there. There's three. You need to come up with them right now. And then they eventually come up with three. And it's like, gosh, like the, the culture society has taught us to blind ourselves from the actual good that we do. And this is not talking about pride or anything where we think that we're better than everybody or, or our yeah, egos yeah, right. are, are leading us. This is just recognizing that if, if you can't allow yourself to accept compliments, if you can't allow yourself to, um, to be proud of yourself for, for certain things, then you're making yourself not worthy of love or grace. And it's so hard for you to then see how God sees you because you see yourself in some other way. Like you see yourself in a way that, that the world has made you. It's like, well, brother, that's not how God sees you. Yeah. That's really, I I was just, as you're describing that, I was thinking the exact same thing because it is, when, and, and women have an issue too about worth, right? We feel like if a stay-at-home mom, like I'm not bringing in an income, what am I contributing to the family? I'm staying at home, you know, so what I vacuumed and did the dishes today, like anybody could do that. Um, and so there's that feeling of, if you don't, there's a, it's a, it's, we think it's a thin line, but it's really a big border, but there's that feeling of, I, I am a sinner and I am, you know, I I do not deserve God's grace. However, Jesus gave me 
his life and died on the cross for my sins. And now God sees me just as much as this perfect child in his eyes that, and so we forget part B, mm. you know, like we go, well, I'm a sinner and I'm just an awful person and I don't do anything good and da, 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 da. But we forget that once we ask for forgiveness, accept him as our savior, that he sees us as worthy and loved and chosen, adopted, beloved, like all of these things. I think it's a, the beginning of Ephesians that mm. goes through all of these things that we are once you have accepted Christ. And that one's a lot harder to accept than the I'm a sinner and I, I need the grace. Amen. Cause so many people out there, even though they're born again, Christians, they still identify as sinners. And yeah. I challenge them with this by saying nowhere in the new Testament, does it say that you're still a sinner? You might be a born again, Christian who still sins every once in a while. But if you keep telling yourself that you are a sinner that you're not worthy of, of this, like, how do you think you're going to show up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and God can still use those people, right? Like mm -hmm. Moses didn't think he was worth anything. Um, Gideon thought that himself, he was not qualified and it's not like qualification is different when we're called to something, obviously, but like, He's given you a purpose, whether you want it or not, once you are accepted in, you know, once you've accepted him as your savior and you have to feel his worth and his love, because then otherwise you're never going to show up and accomplish what he wants for his kingdom and his glory. When you are doubting yourself, doubting your worth, doubting your ability, because God believes in you and that's all you should ever need. Yeah. And that reminded me of a quote that I saw one time, which I thought was fire. And I know I'm going to butcher it, but it, it was something along the lines like, like God never calls the qualified, but you become qualified. Like as you start, he qualifies actually, the called. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I was going to butcher it. <laughs> no, you got it though. But yeah, but yeah. it's, it's a play on words. Yeah. And, and I was totally that guy when he called me to, uh, minister to men, I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. Like, I can't, it's not me. Nope. Wrong guy. So I've been there before too, you know, and at the and time here you are, exactly, here you are at the time I was like, what in the world, man? Like I've only known you for a month, God, like, there's no way that I could do this but I wasn't qualified in worldly standards at that time, but oh my gosh, you know, four, four or five years later, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Absolutely. And it was so uncomfortable in that moment, recognizing that, okay, this is something that I have to do. And it's those little things in the day to day that we have to apply the same thing. Like I'm, called to make my wife feel a certain way i'm called to love her like i have to uphold that i'm put on this planet for her and how can i serve her today you know a lot of men go to work they come home they feel like they've earned the right to just plop on the couch and kick up their feet and ignore their wives and i'm like okay what's what's the most annoying thing that your wife does all day you know like tasks or whatnot it's mm -hmm picking up kids, you know, taking them to this place or that place, doing dishes. Okay. Guess who's going to do that all the next month. 
(laughs) (laughs) Just do that and see like how the marriage starts to come alive, you know? Just the serving or of love, like I mean, service is obviously loving others, but like Mm -hmm. just serving somebody changes your perspective and your perception immediately. And how you I mean, and it's amazing how quickly that can flip your entire view of it. Yeah. And, and things like that is just a little piece of of that more that I was talking about earlier. Like what, what do men have to be now, now that, you know, women are very equal on the playing fields in, in, you know, the professional world. Cause there is a lot of that. There is a, I still need to provide X, Y, Z. So, well, yeah, I mean, any woman would probably want a man who can provide financially in some way, but that is no longer a do or die thing. You have to be able to do more. You have to be able to serve her. You have to be able to make her feel a certain way. You have to get uncomfortable, man, because otherwise you're going to have to suffer in a different way. It's either suffer temporarily now, like a Band-Aid, like ripping off the Band-Aid, or it's going to be very fulfilling in the end, or you just ignore all that and you suffer in the long term to where there's no connection, there's no intimacy, um, you're always arguing, you're never on the same page, whatever, you know, it looks a little bit different yeah. for everyone, but you, you, you can't tell the difference between a, a Christian marriage and a secular marriage anymore, like the divorce rates are just as high, um, the, the behaviors are almost the same you know that's true yeah it really breaks my heart (laughs) it we as christians we should be like couple goals right Mm -hmm. like hashtag couple goal for other marriages and other families like we should be showing how important the family is the core of the family i mean that's how satan is destroying us from the inside out he's destroying the family first and that's yeah but we don't we don't look any different as a whole. The Christian Christian marriage doesn't look any different. They're living together before marriage or, you know, and it's, it's all, yeah, it's all intertwined. Yeah. I love it. And and going back to, to your, your podcast about the unlikely housewives, I remember you mentioned that men listen into it as well. And, and one of your most popular ones was when you had husbands on or something like that. It, yeah. it, was, it was a theme around husbands. We did. We, we did a two-part episode, uh, the messes and blesses of marriages. And we had our husbands on and nice. um, we were going to do just like a one hour interview with them and talking about like, what did they think when their wife said, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, but it turned into like a two hour talking. I've, I have never laughed so hard in my life Um, and just getting to hear their perspective of things. And um, my husband and I were raised in the the church growing up and we talk about the, the struggle that we had in our first five marriages, first five marriages, first five years of our marriage. I was like, Oh my Uh, gosh, I didn't know. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Did I not mention my four other husbands? No, Um, but then also Tracy's husband didn't come to faith until they were married. And so that is a very different perspective. And so we talk about his, 
how he came to Christ and his walk. And it's just, we've gotten, it is, it's one of our, our, our two po- most popular episodes. Um, and, and men listen to the other stuff too, because it's, I mean, it's like getting insider information about how your wife and, you know, the mother of your children thinks, sees herself, what she values. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Well, why do you think that particular, that, that, that two-part episode is the most viewed or most popular one? I, <laughs> I think it's because, and I'm in all seriousness, it's because ironically, we don't take ourselves seriously. Mm -hmm. Like we, you can tell how much fun we're having just being ourselves happens to be in front of a microphone. Um, We, and, and we don't hold anything back. Like our, both of our husbands are in corporate America. um, Mm -hmm. But we do, we talk about what, was hard in our marriage and that, and I think people resonate with that and go, okay, like here's a family that looks quote unquote, like they have it all together on Facebook or Instagram. Right. But then, you know, did anybody have any idea that the first five years of my marriage was, I mean, I was a terrible wife, terrible wife. I was selfish. I was prideful. I was, you know, i I mean, and now to look back and go, oh my gosh, like, thank you, Lord, for mm-hmm. restoring our marriage and allowing us to be here. Um, but I think that's why people can relate to it because they're like, okay, I'm not, again, it's the feeling of I'm not alone. And there is somebody else that feels that way or that has gone through that, or, you know, they're just one step ahead of me. Then, you know, then, then I can keep going. I can become a better wife. I can become I can restore my marriage. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think that's what the biggest impact that it's made. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the transparency because I think that's so needed. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the primary um, qualities that, that I try to recognize in people that the ones that I really want to speak to consistently or, you know, have be my friends or come into my circle, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, and, and I think this is so important with, with marriages because of the power of the internet and social media. It's so easy for, for us to, to see only the, the surface layer stuff of the couple and believe that they're super happy and they have it all together. And, you know, look at what kind of husband or wife they are. You know, how come you can't be like them? Why can't we be like that? And then that just makes it even more uh, divisive, you know, it just creates mm-hmm. even more, um, even more toxic patterns. But when, when you have your husbands on and you're able to have fun, but still talk about your limitations, you know, and your shortcomings. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned that the first five years of your marriage were all that great. Cause it was the same with mine. You know, we're in year seven next month and the first five were a, a battle, you know, we're yeah. a, a, a struggle and it's hard not to it's hard not to show that on the, on the outside to everyone else. You know, you, it's almost like you, you want to put on this front that you're super happy, you know, that everything's going fine. (laughs) The marriage is going great. And there are certain people. Yes, absolutely. Go to and talk to um, have those people, but it doesn't need, you know, you don't have to share your dirty laundry with the entire Facebook world or Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Like, have some respect for your marriage. And, um, but like 
the best thing that you can do for your marriage is to get on your knees and to surrender it to God and just say, I, I can't, I mean, this is it. Like where, wherever you want this, take it because, you know, I can't, I mean, I was at that point. I mean, we were divorce had been mentioned and we, and, and God restored it completely. And now, I mean, knock on wood, we're the, the most healthy place that we've ever been as, um, husband and wife. And, you know, and I think that's incredible, but I also know how, like, I am in so incredibly thankful that God is faithful in this and that, you know, that his heart is the family and that he very much restored it all, um, for me. And, you know, it's, it, it, we don't put enough emphasis on the couple for marriage. We make it more about the wedding, the party, the, you know, the first 90 days is a honeymoon, whatever, and where more work needs to be done in the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love saying all the time that Jesus is really the, the one that saved our marriage because I, I didn't grow up in the church. My wife didn't either. I, I got born again, right in the middle of it still took some work <laughs> for me after being saved to get it, you know, on on the narrow path, you know, towards yeah. started to, to bear some fruits, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. Um, God, Jesus is, is the main resource that we need to go to, to, to start healing. You know, mm -hmm. if we start looking outside of that, can we restore it? Yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of success stories out there, but, um, the, the way that the way that God is set up is he's relational, you know, and that, that sets him apart from every other religion out there or, or anything else that claims to be uh, equal to, to Jesus. And that's what sets, uh, what sets God apart is his relational triune character. And then the new Testament speaks directly on how Jesus and his church are the bride and groom. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that because it's like a love story. It's like a love letter. And I think a lot of couples for, forget that. Like when we're getting lost, when, when we feel like you know, the marriage is going nowhere, just, just look to Jesus and how he treated his church. Like how can, we, how can we mirror that as best as we can today? And this, at least for me and for a lot of men that, that I serve and that I coach, it can start in the form of service at first because a lot of us are a lot of us are more comfortable with that mm -hmm. we like to serve we like to do we think if we accomplish something then you know then we're showing love okay but now how can you do it in a way to directly mix your wife feel something okay, nobody wants to do the dishes <laughs> nobody <Yeah. laughs> wants to nobody wants to do all these you know ticky tacky things around the house and I shouldn't say ticky tacky, but because whenever they, they go undone, it can be catastrophic, but actually doing acts of service directly for her is, is a great start for, for men to do. Cause at that point you're becoming that, that more that, uh, that God has called you to be rather than you just go to work and you come home with the paycheck and you call it good, you know? Right. The other thing that drives me 
crazy. And I think that this is where Christian marriages need to stand out and stand up is when people say, oh, well, we just grew apart or, you know, we just fell out of love and there wasn't that spark anymore. And that's the biggest myth of all time that there's going to be the spark. Like there are days I wake up and not do not feel love Mm. towards my husband. We are, you know, whatever that may be, but like love is a choice, you know, and God continued to love the church, Israel, no matter how many times they turned his back on him, he chose love every single time. There was not that loving feeling towards them. There was, there was none of that. He did it for years and years and years. And we think that love should be easy. Oh, well, it just got so hard. And we just had to, you know, and I'm just like, but it's, it is hard. And it's, not that it's supposed to be hard, but it, it is because you're bringing two sinners together and nothing like breaks away at your sinful nature. Nothing. Let me say nothing is a better mirror on your own sins than your spouse, (laughs) because you can see yourself very clearly if you are looking and that's God's gift to us. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, it's a choice it is an absolute choice. And so if you're not choosing love every single day, you know, like this is it like, sorry, Andrew, you are stuck with me until the day that you die or the day that I die. Like you, you, you should have picked better if you wouldn't want it to be me because this is it. (laughs) So Sorry. But yeah, but that's, that's another thing. I'd be curious on your thoughts on that as far as how, men feel about choosing love versus feeling love. I absolutely love that question because love is a noun and a verb. And the verb part is one that we have to choose. And is it going to be uncomfortable? Yeah. But so is everything else. So is everything else. No matter what choice that we make, there's going to be some element of discomfort in it. We just have to recognize which way are we going to suffer? Are we going to suffer temporarily so that we can grow from it so that we can suffer well and actually move towards something greater? Or are we going to ignore that and choose the long-term discomfort, the long-term suffering, which in this case would be that we just grew apart. We just disconnected. We just did X, Y, Z. Well, that's because you made all those smaller choices not to love in the moment you you made the choice not to be uncomfortable and still choose to love even when you didn't feel like it and one thing that i say all the time is having an intimate relationship with somebody else is in my opinion the most difficult thing a human being can do and you said something very similar like bringing two sinners together like yeah like you with all your junk and her with all her junk and you're trying to mash that together and make it work like in in what perfect world like would that ever just be easy like no it's going to be hard yeah and I, I think that's where people think like we think too highly of ourselves in our marriage like mm-hmm. it's almost like well if you could just fix him one of the most like when we were going through a big issue um years ago I remember going to church by myself 
I would show up to church because he was not feeling it, not whatever. So I would go to church and I would sit in those sermons and I would listen to my pastor and week after week, I kept thinking, God, this is what he needs to be listening to. Lord, this is what he needs. Why isn't he here? Mm -hmm. And I was so convicted with it that, I mean, it was like God whispering, Tori, if he was supposed to be here to listen to it, he would be here. I have you here. And it was like, oh, like this moment of like, dang, my bad. Because then all of a sudden, all those sermons shifted. I re-listened to them and then put them on my perspective. And it was like, oh, this is for me. This is for me. This is what, and, and it's those, that was one of the biggest things is like, I have you in here for this. If he needed to hear it, I'd have him. And, um, that was just one of the most life-changing moments that I can remember in a quiet moment with God. That's incredible. That, that's so incredible. And so powerful how you recognize that <laughs> the, <laughs> it, the pastor wasn't talking to my husband. He was like, I needed this. You know? Yeah. Because we do, we think of like, Oh, so-and-so needs to hear this and God will get that message to him. However he wants to do it. But you're in there, you're sitting in the pew for the reason mm-hmm. that he wants you to hear it. It's that message is for you. So Amen. I love it. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And I hear a lot of men say that too. Like, my wife needs this. And <laughs> I, ne- I never really knew what to do with that until right now, you know. Well, like maybe she didn't, maybe you need that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And what one thing that I like to to really coach on is um that you know, each, each person has their own needs. Right. And, and I think this gets really confusing with, with scripture where it says, you know, man and woman come together and they become one flesh. Well, what the heck does that look like? And I have no idea what that is. It's like, okay, well think of it as, as like a, a needs exercise. Like you have your needs, she has her needs, but the relationship between you guys also has its needs. That is the oneness between you two, because we're both individual and we're both unique and we both have our own, our own ways but when you decide to get married, you have this, this thing between you called the relationship and you both need to contribute to that. I think everyone at least once in their marital journey forgets that. And we resort back to our needs. How come she's not meeting my needs or how come he's not meeting my needs? It's like, well, what are the relationships needs? How can I show up as a better spouse for the relationship? Not necessarily for her or for him, even though it's going to feel that way a lot because you're both contributing to it. But what does the relationship need? And I know that's helped me immensely in my own marriage, thinking of that, like, how can I show up for the sake of the marriage? Well, in that moment, you're honoring God, right? Mm -hmm. You're showing up like when you serve your spouse, sure, your spouse receives the benefit of it, but... Mm -hmm with you having the servant heart towards your spouse, that is glorifying God. That is you living out at, you know, Christ's hands and feet. So you get the benefit of it as, you know, for your relationship with God. And then your, your spouse just happens to be on the receiving end of it, but it's, it's really you doing it for the glory of God. 
Yeah, of course. And in a perfect world, you know, it would be 50, 50, you know, right. but that doesn't happen. No. No. <laughs> it kind of like, I, I think as, as good as it can be, it kind of sways back and forth, like a nice, like a nice wave, you know, where one mm-hmm. is contributing a little more than the other. And then you just kind of share, share the load back and forth. And there are going to be times where it's going to be 99% you because she's just not, she's just not there spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And, and same thing the other way around. I mean, there was times where I felt like I was zero or 0.01. Like I was just hanging on by a thread and my wife's contribution to the relationships needs through God, like kept me in it. And I'll never forget that, you know, that, that, that is something that everyone needs to think about. Am I willing to go that far for the sake of her or him and, and the relationship? Because that's what is expected. I don't yeah. think every marriage will go that far, but it definitely is possible. You know, when I was in my deepest, darkest hole, my wife was there for me. And I recognize that I need to mirror that for her if that day ever comes. Yeah. And we were so conditioned to compromise and we think compromise mm-hmm. means 50, 50, and it mm-hmm. means nothing of the sort. It yeah. means compromise can be 70, 30, like, mm-hmm. so what at the end of the day, the goal is still the same that y'all mm-hmm. have a godly marriage that you guys are, you know, so, so what you have to give a little bit more in this season and, you know, like, quit keeping score on who's, who's doing more because y'all are on the same freaking team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and this, uh, this idea that this concept directly um, addresses that I'm very, very careful when I say compromise, Mm -hmm. I, I try as best as I absolutely can to ask the question instead what is in the best interest of the relationship? Because once, like, like you said, once you start compromising, then it just becomes contractual. And right. okay, well, you didn't hold up your end, so I'm not going to hold up my end. At that point, the the relationship is suffering. Mm-hmm. You have to have the self accountability. Ask yourself, okay, I don't want to do this, but is it for the benefit of the relationship? At that point, it's a simple yes or no. If it's a yes who do you have to be in order to start taking action on that? Yes. Cause that's most likely the, the godly man or woman that you're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed when me and my wife are thriving, like the whole house is thriving. Like my kids are thriving, you know? Um, and I know, uh, focusing so much on our kids happiness can take away from the primary relationship which is the husband and wife i see that a lot Mm -hmm. again going back to culture i think that has a lot to do with it as well Um, especially in blended families which has become very very common nowadays and you know nothing wrong with that blended families are beautiful we have a blended family ourselves but i think it's so easy for for uh, spouses who are in blended families to to focus more on being a parent first and kind of just put being a spouse on the uh 
you know, on the, on the wayside. And you don't even have to be in a blended family to do that. Cause you know, I see that a lot in, in normal families as well. And I think we have to be careful with that too. Like identifying primarily as a parent, I think you become a better parent when you are really, really showing up as a great spouse. Okay. So I, so clarifying on that, because I've always told our, our girls know that the hierarchy in our family is God and mommy and daddy, same level, then it's them. Yep. And it's very much mommy and daddy. We go on trips without our children. We we love (laughs) y'all. We love y'all, but we also need to leave y'all. Okay. And so like, I always, um, when my friends can get away from, and just to be themselves because you are, you know, when you're with just your spouse, you're a different person because you're a spouse, right. And you're not having to be the parent. And I think that is so miss, like you said, so misguided because we make our children, our world, mm-hmm. right. Like we surround ourselves with their activities, their things, and their. Making them happy, making sure that they're taken care of. When in reality, if you are loving your spouse and loving your spouse well, um, all that is the trickle down effect. Yep. And you know, I I know so many families that the parents divorced after the kids graduated high school. Yep. And it honestly was because they had no idea who they were married to anymore because they had spent all their attention on their children for their entire school. And then like 18 years later, we're like, who are you? You know, they didn't know how to be a spouse and friends and, you know, have their own intimate because it was all about the kids all the time. Yeah. And I couldn't have said it better. And the hierarchy that you mentioned is perfect because too many people, I mean, even not God considered this kids, then maybe my spouse. Right. And they think they're doing the right thing. Yep. Right. They think, well, I've been given this and, and that's, and that's where it's hard to just say like, no, you get your kids for 18 years. Supposedly you get your spouse until you die. My number is, if my math is correct, that far outweighs 18 years. Yeah. Like your children are going to leave you. They're supposed to find their own spouse, create their own families, like, and cling to their own, you know, their new spouse. And like, it's by mom, by dad, like, Mm. and, but they don't, they, they miss that completely. And it's like, you're, you're missing out on the good stuff, the marriage that, I mean, that can, I mean, when you're, when you're working at it and it's good, it, it's the best. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is, is generational too. And, and I'm so happy that, that you, you mentioned that your girls know that, you know, mommy and daddy go on trips without them because mm-hmm. this, this is going to settle in their little subconscious minds as they grew up into good godly women. And it's the same for our household as well, but we're going to, uh, to Chicago next month for our anniversary nice. without them. Yeah. Good. We're going without them. And when we told them that they're like, what? Like, you guys can't leave us. We're like, oh uh, uh-huh. yeah, like, yeah, this happens every year. <laughs> uh-huh. It happens every year, same time. So yeah, it's only for a weekend, but yeah, seeing, seeing them um, 
be okay with us doing that is something that I think is so crucial with, with our kids. Like I want them to know that my love for their mom doesn't just stop there. Like it overflows into them. Like yeah. there's not, there's not two different, not necessarily two different versions, but I have to love my wife well in order to love them well. Like I really want them to understand that. Well, and it goes back to what we said in the beginning about raising girls, right? Like anything less than that, they're not going to settle for that kind of man to marry because they're not like, they're going to go, well, that's not how my dad treated my, like, Mm -hmm. there's just going to be so much that. And even your son is going to look like he's going to go, okay, my wife's going to be number one and I'm going to love her and serve her just like dad did. And we, we forget that we're supposed to be the role models. They don't need role models that are playing basketball, football, all the things and have their big posters on their walls. Like how about we be the role models for our children and let's be their heroes and their let them see us fail. Let them see us screw up and what we do when we do that. But like, let's be the role models and, and champion that well. Yeah. I think one of the most powerful things we can do as parents is show our kids where we failed, but how we're still resilient, like how we still bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're 100% right with that, with, with our, our, our girls looking at our, our mothers and seeing that's the kind of godly woman I aspire to be, or looking at our fathers and saying, that's the kind of man that I want to marry and, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of men that I work with who um, doesn't really matter if they're married or, or single or divorced, a lot of them identify as being a father. And my follow-up question is like, oh, okay, that's great. But what happens, like you said, when your kids get older and then they leave, then, then who are you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still going to be a father, but the, the role is going to heavily transition. They're going to be 18. They don't want nothing to do with you. They're going to be 28. Really don't want nothing to do with you. Like, do you, do you want them still at your home? <laughs> yeah. Like you when do they're... plan on them moving out, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. part of the goal. And again, this is a very painful question for them to, to realize like, oh my gosh, like I have to be something more like, again, like more, I have to, well, what exactly is that and then you know we start diving into some different exercises and stuff but yeah how we identify ourselves as just individuals really really is powerful how we show up in our marriages and as parents and we have to be very careful when we identify just as a, a good parent because that's very uh very temporary mm-hmm yeah. yeah. 18 years is a very short period mm-hmm. of time in the scheme of things. Yeah. And, and even my parents, yeah, uh, love them to death. They were very young when they had me, they're only kids. They were teenagers or 18 and 16 years old or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, again, lo- love them both dearly, but there's not a whole lot that they can give me right now as far as wisdom, which right. is right. And they're not supposed to in, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, it's at our ages, this is when we get to start taking care of our parents, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And if, you know, that that's where the, another transition mm-hmm. is, um, 
but it's, you know, like God's design is perfect. If we would just embrace it and follow it and go, okay, I'm going to quit trying it my way and say, I'm going to give this a shot and just go with it. Yeah. God is very cool. He's been really cool with me, at least at calling me out and like, do you see what happens when you do it your way? Like, just stop. Uh-huh. Just, just do it my way. It's going to be fine. <laughs> okay. Speaking of that, can we just acknowledge the fact that we had completely different notes for this conversation and how God used all of this to talk about marriage and parenting and the relationships and, and how cool that has been like that. He's so cool. He's the coolest. This is really good. I thought this would be really good stuff. <laughs> Amen. Well, with that, I mean, I, I don't have anything else for you. This is a very amazing, beautiful and cool conversation that God put uh, on our hearts. And uh, anything that you would like to add, anything you want to get off of your chest or off your heart? No, um, I just want to offer if uh, if anybody wants um, more information on my podcast or um, resources that I have, you can go to crazyfaithmama.com and I have lots of information there and you can follow me on Instagram at shira. Awesome. And all that will be in the description and we'll make sure that it's very easy for whoever to find you and listen into your podcast. And uh, thank you so much, Tori, for uh, having this amazing conversation with me. I I definitely learned quite a bit. I I love these conversations. It's so, so needed for, for Christian men out there to, to really understand our women much more. And to, to know what it's, what it's like to be on the other side. Well, this was very eye-opening for me too, to get the male's perspective from somebody who's not my spouse and where I will temporarily tune out sometimes when he's trying to tell me something, (laughs) but so I will definitely be replaying this and going, Oh, that's where that comes from. Okay. So this is very helpful for me as well. Thank you so much for this honor and to be a guest on your show. I'm so incredibly thankful. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been an honor and God bless you, your, your family, your marriage and your kids. And yeah, we should do this again one day. Yes. Let's. That would be awesome. Well, Tori, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, God bless you and your family. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. See ya. Bye. If you are a Christian man struggling to find or live your godly purpose, or if you're overcome with repetitive sin, addiction, vices, if you're battling for your marriage or trying to create connection with your kids, you do not have to fight this alone. It's imperative that you have that solid brotherhood, that you have social circles of strong Christian men around you. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Proverbs 27:17 says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and I am called to be that iron and that man for you. You can reach me in several ways. My Instagram is Stacy Gonzalez underscore Crown Legacy, or on Facebook at forward slash SM Gonzalez88. You can check out my website at stacymgonzalez.com or email me at stacy.gonzalez at icloud.com reach out to me on any of those platforms it is my obligation to respond to you and with every inquiry is a free session from myself it's absolutely 100 free with no obligations so please don't waste any more time let's get you back on that narrow path and as always god bless godspeed and take back your crown <laughs>